Hi. How's hey, it Marco. How are we all getting on? Good? Bad? Uh, Indifferent? Tired? Fantastic. Uh, what a what a weekend. Pro <laughs> probably the greatest divisional round ever. Every single game had uh, it was drama filled, and there is so much to to talk about this evening. I go as far as to say as last night's late game, the Chiefs and the Bills was probably the best game I can remember watching in 10, 15 years. It really was. It had everything. After watching the Bucks game, you thought that had everything. And then we get that game at the end, which could have made up for two low scoring games on Saturday, but at the same time very intriguing. But last night it was just unbelievable. Anybody who's not an NFL fan who really wants to get into the game, if you ever want a game to watch, that's the one. Either game yesterday. Hey, Brian, it's all four. It was like up in the cards. All four games decided on the final play of the game. And you yeah. wanted drama, you wanted tension, you wanted excitement. And it was just like up leveling every time. Um, Chiefs Bills, greatest NFL game of all time. I, you know, there was a small Super Bowl manner. I think the stakes were higher, which we might allude to, but it was fantastic. Just unbelievable game. All I can say is one, I feel rougher than a badger's ass. And secondly, is there doctors nearby because the heart uh, rate and blood pressure of any fan of all of those eight teams involved, let alone neutrals, um, must have caused some serious palpitations and concern for the medical professionals generally. I mean, we're over uh, Omicron, as you generally heard, guys. Don't worry about COVID anymore. Um, but there might have been NFL fever causing some damage over the weekend. Absolutely. The Irish NFL show is proudly presented by Trust Gaming and also our partners over at Team Matchbook Betting Exchange. £20, 20 euro welcome offer. Money back as cash if your first bet loses. The bonus code is Irish NFL show. The T's and C's are below. Uh, you can go on now and check the Super Bowl odds for certain teams. We'll talk about that maybe down the stretch in this show. And we should have some sort of bet this weekend. Uh, ahead of what is a stacked schedule, not even two big games. Uh, 8 o'clock on Sunday, the Bengals are going to play the Chiefs for the AFC Championship, and the NFC Championship is between the 49ers and the Rams at Levi South, sorry, SoFi Stadium. That's just what they've been calling it. That's, that's what the cool kids are calling it. And finally, boys, all of our teams are finally out. So we can, I mean, Brian, you're anyone but the Cowboys are out. Uh, Colin, you're better. Who's your team? The, like the I don't know. Mark, anyway, the, the Bucks are out. So we can all now sit here and just be neutral for the next two weeks. And whoever wins, wins. Yeah, surely that's the... I'm, I'm pretty good at being neutral, Michael. I mean, you're going to have to rediscover your love for the Chiefs and the amazing football they play, which is more difficult for you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, looking, looking forward to discussing their fantastic play, Michael. Are we going to that game first, yeah? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm not even, like... Like people are saying on this call, and there's people commenting as well. Thank you for the comments, folks, saying that they're not, they're a wee bit tired. I mean, I had to leave the house this morning, Mark. So I um, you can imagine there there are a few shakes right now, and uh, it's all good. Uh, Bengals Chiefs is the AFC Championship game. The Chiefs had an incredible victory last night, um, over the Buffalo Bills, and uh, as incredible column as the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen were, it wasn't enough for uh, how fantastic the Chiefs were, especially down the stretch, um, and they win it in overtime. 42 to 36. Six. Yeah. Um, I, where, where, to, where do you begin with this? Probably at the two quarterbacks. Um, I, it might have been the greatest QB duel we've ever seen. 
whatever about the, the game, but it was the quality of the, the two quarterbacks and what they did. And particularly uh, it, right right at the end. I mean, what did I see? Patrick Mahomes threw for 177 yards after the two-minute warning. It, I mean, unbelievable. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the overtime rules means that um, we didn't get to see Josh Allen have a go. That's that's the way it's uh, it's set out currently. And um, they, they may look to, to review that because I think everybody... Uh, wanted it because they it was just such a, a back and forth and the the bills getting it on fourth down when they needed to but ultimately um those 13 seconds will will haunt them i think forever um you probably definitely should have been a a squib kick um and then i hate prevent defense i have railed about that on this show on numerous occasions i don't like it i really don't like it when the opposing team has um timeouts to to take and they essentially can it opens up the entire field for them patrick mahomes is something else patrick mahomes has yet to lose a playoff game to anyone who isn't named thomas edward patrick brady and he marches on the, the chi he has been a starter for four years the chiefs become the first team to host the afc championship game for four years in a row um when you hear the the way the others talk about him you hear tyreek hill you hear travis kelsey talk about patrick mahomes the way in which um he elevates uh, all uh, all those around him it's not just his play it's his leadership as well really feel for the bills and my concern is it you know i i saw um, jim kelly's tweet that, that they'll be back there's no guarantees we all thought dan marino we you know there, there are so many times where teams you know you think they have a generational talent they'll come back there are no gar- there are no guarantees i hope they do because they are they're long suffering and that that was if it hadn't been for patrick Holmes and cheese they'd have beaten anyone else last night but i i really hope they do it they can hold their heads up high but my god the the chiefs just with uh what what a, a way to to round it out and just even as a broncos fan all i can do is tip my cap we we admo- we could have admired uh josh allen's performance last weekend against the patriots and then Mar- as mark right called out on the show at the weekend you know you look at the stats of what patrick mahomes put up against the steelers having not scored till the middle of the second quarter it was equally impressive but but I suppose Josh Allen actually probably got more of the conversation and the praise. But you know, he got the two Champions League finals and they came up against Barcelona both times. And they were unfortunate at that time. They were playing against a really good Barcelona team. And Josh Allen, two years in a row, has come up against Patrick Mahomes, which is unfortunate because he's gone through a period where he could potentially be getting Super Bowls and he's just coming up against the greatest quarterback in the league at the moment. And for a quarterback, Josh Allen, who has thrown 627 yards in two games, nine touchdowns, no interceptions, and has ran for 150 yards to be out of the playoffs, is a crying shame. But for the Chiefs, they're just they just don't know when they're beaten. And I thought Andy Reid's comments after the game after the game were really, really hilarious. He said, "When it's grim, what do you do?" And he's like, "Well, I said to Patrick Mahomes, when it's grim, you go be the grim reaper." But the Grim Reaper needs to come come and have a conversation with Sean McDermott because the way they manage the game at the end, there's two head coaches on the field on that game, and I think arguably one of the best clock management head coach in the league is Andy Andy Reid. He obviously seems to know how to do these things. But on the other side, Colin's alluded to 
Chelsea squib kick it, even putting it into the end zone. Like the D, yeah, as you call it, rightly called out how they played those last few plays. Jam the receivers, give up penalties. If you jam the receivers, give up penalties, you're still running the clock. You're still having to have Patrick Mahomes hold the ball for a period of time till someone comes free. Essentially, you drop five or six seconds off the clock. You give up the penalties, okay, it probably leads to a one massive throw potentially to try to get the get into field goal range. But it's just the ease in which they gave up. 19 yards in the first play, and you know where they're going. Like There's no double coverage on Hill. There's no double double coverage on Kelsey. And yet, for defence that Rome, Rome and the guys continues to call, that was the number one defence in a number of stats last night. Look, they were gassed at the end, so maybe we, we were being a bit too harsh on them. But it was just the, the ease of which they got into field goal range, which I was just totally taken back by. And people are criticising the defensive corner today, but I think the head coach needs to take a lot of the blame because he called two timeouts during that time as well to get the defence reset, and they still couldn't get it done. So shame for the Bills and for the Chiefs. The momentum is starting to build now that potentially they could be going back to it. Towards Super Bowl, and what's this, the fourth championship game in a row, which will be in Arrowhead. It's a great achievement, I'll say. I have a feeling we could have a bit of a chat and a bit of a theme around defensive coordinator calls at particular time points of the game. And also um, special teams performances will definitely come up in a certain number of games, to say the least. And we'll get on to the kickers uh, who uh, dominated particularly on Saturday. But yeah, Leslie Frazier um, was the D coordinator. And you're right, whether it's him, whether it's McDermott, the calls at the end of the 13 seconds to go were... They were the wrong calls. It's a simple to say with hindsight, but it was simple to say at the time. Why they didn't squib kick to start the clock running, because bear in mind, once you squib kick, it starts running the second the ball hits the ground. So it will burn off time regardless. It's not going to be as easy. You're not guaranteed field position. The one defense, I've, somebody said, and I kind of agree with this, is Tyreek Hill nearly broke a punt return to the house, and they might have been concerned about their return capabilities. Um, but a soft shell... The wrong defense called, the wrong defense exploited in those mad 13 seconds. But to just focus on that wouldn't do service to the whole game. And the game's the whole, it's just unreal. Um, those last two minutes were madness. 31 points were scored after the two-minute warning. You know, Collins just read out the, the Paddy Mahomes stat. If you like, it, the only two games I can even compare it to in history in terms of the NFL are maybe the 49ers... And uh, Saints wildcard game a few years ago, Alex Smith with the run, as it was called at the time, in a real seesaw of Drew Brees and his Saints on full offensive performance because it went to and fro in the last three minutes of the game. Or indeed the Pats um, Chiefs AFC Championship game in 2018. Um, because again, the parallels were very similar. Once Patrick Mahomes got the ball in overtime with the way those two offenses were working, did you really have any doubts? Um, we were exchanging on the group text a little bit about Brady and Michael Myers and the sense and the fear of inevitability. There was nothing more inevitable than Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes going the length of the field uh, towards the fourth quarter. Um, Josh Allen deserves all the praise going. You look at the, his stats for the postseason, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, I saw, I think it's 14 drives and he led his team to 12 touchdowns or something ridiculous like that. As well as that, he's running over people like a dumper truck at times. So um, that was special. But you couldn't predict it. I mean, what was it? NFL, um, the NFL tweeted out going to first fourth quarter, one quarter length left. Are we in for another wild finish? 
couldn't have script written it. You couldn't have understood it better than that. It was unreal. Um, the overtime rules, look, this comes up every time. It came up in 2018. It comes up whenever we've got a great game. There's player safety issues. There's the balance as to what is the right answer. They've tweaked it before to mean that field goal doesn't win it, which I do agree with. Um, but everyone knows the rules. It's as simple as that. Like, we moan about it now for this game. Think of how many overtime games we're glad finish uh, quickly, even in the postseason. Um, and it isn't a meritocracy like in college where we go to five overtimes. And now they've changed the rules in, obviously, college football, whereby the overtimes after the first three, I think, then have to start at the 20-yard line. Um, so you start to make a mockery of the game. Um, some people have pointed to hockey. Hockey is three-on-three three overtime in the regular season, then normal five-on-five five till the death, sudden death, uh, when the postseason starts. But um, we already have slightly tweaked rules with 10 minutes to 15 minutes. I, I just think like that's the rules. That's what you play to. And you have plenty of opportunities, Bills fans, to win it in the meantime. But my God, Patrick the, Mahomes. The, my the God. Ir- the ironic thing about the overtime rule is the Chiefs were the – Forced him to yeah, exactly. They they go yeah. they tried to change it, Brian. Yeah, yeah, that's an, yeah. They proposed it in 2019, it gets changed, and at the, the owners' meeting, it got shut down, it wasn't voted in. So, and there are teams today, as fairness to Josh Allen, he said it if we had got the ball, we probably would have won. It is what it is, we have to take it as it is. But, but I think to me, that's that says why it's so important that you do change, even if it's for postseason. But as, like, it comes down to essentially the toss of a coin. And whether you get, I think you got to give both both teams an opportunity to have the ball in their hand. Or yeah, you don't want it to, to go too far, but to not have the opportunity because you lose a coin toss. And look, that, the rules were the rules yesterday, but we can learn going forward. I mean, ultimately, you know how what 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 part does luck play in any of it? Like, do you redu- do you keep reducing it? Do you just say let's do away with overtime? Let's do a coin toss? Because at least in a penalty shootout, both teams get your five penalties. You know, you know, you know what's going on, but you lose the coin toss and and that's it. Well, I, I, yeah, I but, but Colm, I mean, okay, I think it was the 1968 European Championships. That is how third, fourth place was decided. It was just on a coin toss. Um, so, I mean, there is history of, of being that bizarre, mm-hmm. but it isn't that's it. It's over. You can still play defense. You can still try and stop. I'm saying it was inevitable because of how powerful those offenses were performing. But it's not like all hope is gone. The, the most fascinating one for me, and I'm just going to share this one, is the Ravens have proposed an amendment to this before about place and choose. Oh, I think it's called something else. But it basically, one team gets to decide where the ball is to be placed. And then the other team gets to decide whether they're going to play offense or defense. And the, the line that I think Bill Barnell of the ESPN said, said, yeah, but imagine that in this game, you could have said, we're going to put it on the one yard line of the op- you know of the, the far end. And Bill's probably still would have said, well, yeah, I think we, Josh Allen can take this 99 yards. So we'll take the ball. Thanks very much and play him off. I, one final point, though, on that is the game has changed so much in favor of the offense now. And everything, we know the league has done that deliberately, right? And it gives us games like we saw last night. We're all delighted by it. So that's why I think you really have to look at at, uh, it at some point in the future. It is what it is for the rest of uh, this year. And maybe it will rear its head again next weekend. uh, One quick one. There's a lot of people out there who engage with our show and feel that we are favoring teams when we have conversations about them. Well, Tyreek Hill should have been called for taunting on that. 
that touchdown last night. He taunted at the 15 yard line. He gave your man the peace sign. And it would have been a spot foul and the ball would have went back 15 yards. They still probably would have got a field goal and it probably would have went into overtime because they probably would have just ran the clock from there. But look, no, it said today, no, no referee in the right mind was going to call that in our head because they bottled, he bottled it essentially. But it should have been called. It needs to be called out. Uh, the ref missed from there. You need Sean Hockley there, Brian. Hmm. Okay. Hey, right. Anyway, I was listening to all of that and I really appreciate all the points and I, I agree with many of them. I think the one for me, I would say first off is I like the way college football does over time. I think it's the perfect way to go about it. As a fan, as a neutral, it's, it's interesting. Um, I've never experienced that with a team that I support, but I think it might be the most appropriate way to do it. I think, um, look, it, look, as Josh Allen said, the rules are the rules. I think the way that ESPN uh, misquoted them today was atrocious and it's not good enough he was right in what he said the rules are the rules there i mean the game was effectively over the minute that the that the chiefs got the coin toss i mean they weren't they weren't losing the ball they weren't gonna they weren't gonna kick a field goal i would have been stunned if they had um we didn't really talk we talked a little bit about, i think about pringle once you pop you can't stop that was certainly the case last night there's so many things that you bring into this game but you've touched on a lot of them honey badger i was really impressed with how the chiefs played without tyron matthew uh I will say this about the Bills. Um, I think the um, the drive from Josh Allen towards the end when he was sitting on 4th and 16, 4th and 13 or whatever four, it was. 4th four, and 13 after, after the false start. that was sensational. That drive was unbelievable. And for them to then go and lose that game, it's, it's a testament to the Chiefs. Obviously, congratulations to the Chiefs. It's uh, probably... The, the game of the decade um is it the super bowl we'll find out in a few weeks time but it was just unbelievable and in terms of what that espn quote was josh allen had like a paragraph and i don't have the quote in front of me but he sort of said like look the rules are the rules if it was if it was us it'd be if it was all the way around we'd be sad written but then he said something else about like I can't, i'll try and find it for the show but they basically talked four or five words and tried to maybe make it more than what it was and it was a wee bit funny but look at, at the end of the day the Chiefs to get the ball where to where it had to go in terms of to get the field goal. And then for Harrison Butker, who did not have a great game by his standards, to then get it over the line and get the game to overtime was seriously impressive, regardless of how the Bills done. But I guess the reality is for for, for Bills Mafia, they, they only have themselves to blame. Um in the sense of that defense at the end, but Josh Allen couldn't have done anymore. What was that quote that they said last night? I don't know if Tony Romo or Jim Nan said it. The record touchdowns scored in the playoffs is 11 and he had scored nine or something and he's out and look i mean we can sit here and we can say the bills will come again but it's it's very difficult to see how they will come again when they have a chiefs team like that going up against them but we're in for a treat for the next decade that was a, a stunning stunning game um a home stun incredible at the end of that game but also josh allen last night jeez like unbelievable i bet you wish he was in the nfc <laughs> So, Michael, I mean, um, Josh Allen was the first player to go back-to-back -back games in the playoffs, four touchdowns and zero interceptions. You're saying about other people we could talk about. We haven't even mentioned Gabriel Davis, like the sixth yes. leading receiver History. on the Bills during the season. And he gets over 200 yards. It's a postseason record with four touchdowns in one game. Um, of course, the Chiefs were rolling their defense to Stephen Diggs, which is why he was a non-factor. But he frees up other players. They've got to win their one-on-one -on -one battles. And, my God, did Gabriel uh, Davis win his battles and did Josh Allen find him? But one final point we're saying, 
you know, Jim Kelly, will they come again? All these things. You can never predict the future. You can certainly never guarantee that the magic will come together once more. Um, if it was that straightforward, the 2017 Eagles wouldn't have just had a one-off Super They'd have had multiple playoff runs. They would have been deep in the playoffs on a regular basis. The 2010 Packers, for whom everything looked pretty, would have been in the Super Bowl again, which they obviously haven't been ever since. Um, it is about distilling that lightning in a bottle at that particular time. But if you are a quarterback or if you're a team, do you, do you rather be in the NFC right now or the AFC? Because Mahomes and Allen look like the two best quarterbacks in the entire league. And that's without even getting to Herbert, to Burrow, to Lawrence, to uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, it is truly murderous row. Yeah. We've 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 got a news if I can. Has anybody any final points to make in that game before we move on? Uh, Gabe, Gabe Davis is very welcome in my household at any time because I am one of those punters who has been talked about today that did have him for three touchdowns or more. At a you're, significant, you're not like a man on Twitter or TikTok no, I didn't have that kind of money on it, but uh, it was <laughs> it was significant for for probably for three or four days for me in in that world. Again, uh, the Irish NFL show. Presented by Matchbook, 18 plus, please gamble the wear. Thank you, Brian. Bengals Chiefs on Sunday. That's the early game. That's the 8 p.m. game on Sunday. Really looking forward to that 11.30 start, uh, especially by the way I feel now. We have a wee bit of news tonight. Uh, Jeff Reinbold is coming to Ireland to do a, a clinic with American Football Ireland. Will we be involved in some shape or form? I don't know. Will my wife allow me outside the house? I don't know. We'll soon find out. Uh, Saturday, the February the 5th, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. The location is TBC, and you can get tickets now on our Twitter page. And that's pretty much it. I think that's class. Jeff's coming to Ireland, Pro Bowl week. Uh, so it's he's not working, and he's going to have a bit of crack. And I think the rugby's on that day. So you've got the choice of Jeff Reinbold or Johnny Sexton. I know who I'm picking every day of the week, and I know Mark Cockerell will be down at Jeff Reinbold's clinic learning some special teams or, or defensive skills. I, I'm very much looking forward to that. And, and that's not the announcement this weekend. Oh, yeah. I haven't put that on to the, uh, to the thing. But in terms of, yeah, like look, uh, there, there was a thing put into the chat there now from, from us boys. What game are we talking about next? Let's openly discuss it. What game do you want to talk about next? Which one? Do you want to talk about the, the Rams, the Bucks, or, or do you want to go on Saturday's games? Well, well I mean, let's start. Should we stay in the AFC? Because, I mean, in fairness, the, the, I think Bengals deserve a little bit of love. And, you know, they started off this, this madcap weekend uh, uh, on the Saturday evening. And then, you know, people, I don't want to say forgot about it, but, you know, it's been surpassed by other drama since. So that, that should be something we address. No? Or does somebody want to talk about anything else? We've got a guest party coming on in five minutes. So well, we do. As, we as do. you can imagine, I was today just going to say, been, about the Bengals, though, think about it. Think about it this way for Patrick Mahomes. He is Ebenezer Scrooge as well because he's already be beaten the ghost of playoffs past in Ben Roethlisberger. He beat the ghost of playoffs current in Josh Allen. And now next week he goes up against Joe Burrow, which is the ghost of playoffs future, uh, to say the least. But um, there we go. That's uh, no, that's not not bad. Uh, I the other thing I suppose just in in relation to all four games was. Uh, that stood out. I, I saw this earlier that um, the it, you, we talked about Gabriel Davis and the, the four touchdown passes. Yet the the Chiefs still uh, won. Obviously, uh, Joe Burrow gets sacked nine times, and the Bengals still win. 
the 49ers don't score an offensive touchdown and and they still win and the, the Rams lose four fumbles and and yet they are into the the conference championships <laughs> so um wild wild weekend in uh, the NFL the uh, the Titans I mean me and Colin had a chat today and we spoke about how many times in the NFL have you seen a team have nine sacks and not win a game but ultimately it was the turnovers that killed them I mean, they got very. They got too clever in the opening play of the game. Derek Henry's back. Well, we'll show you. We'll actually come out all guns blazing. We'll throw it, and he throws it straight into coverage. The one at the end was into coverage, but you know it's a stage of the game where you have to go for it. The one in the red zone, horrendous. Bearing in mind they'd actually ran all over him for that entirety of that drive, and the one I'd call a turnover is because they went for it on the fourth and one. After having called it probably a ridiculous tour and one, I did think that play was coming, but because I've seen it work so many times for the Titans this year, where it's a fake handoff and Tan Hill goes for 15, 20 yards. But um, in that particular time of the game, I just felt that tour and one, even go for a quarterback sneak or hand it to Henry. There was just too many mistakes all night long from the Titans. And uh, yeah, you got to give Moxie to the to Bengals because they hung around and leaving themselves an opportunity to win the game with a, with a really, really good kicker. And, we I think we have another guest coming on shortly who, who will discuss kickers with us. And you know, for a rookie to kick that under that pressure was was huge and a great credit to the to the Bengals. You you gotta have the young and have the confidence. And when you turn to your uh, your holder and say, just before you come out to try the 52 yarder, looks like we're going to the AFC championship then before you kick it. I mean, that's the type of confidence you want. You want in your quarterback, you want in your kick, you want all the way through your team. I mean, what gets overlooked is, yes, you know, the, the Bengals' offensive line was a mess, let's face it, and the Titans made Swiss cheese of it. But the defensive performance by the Bengals, actually, to restrain the Titans for much of the game, I mean, it was 16-6, and then they had a, a brief interlude, obviously, where it looked like the Titans were going to surge back and, and take it away from them. Um, but not just to, you know, convert the turnovers, but to get those key stops, to keep everything bottled up. Um, Derek Henry got hit early and often. Was he back to full fitness? Probably not entirely. Um, but they were determined that he wasn't going to run over him, over them. And they didn't allow the Titans really to get into any kind of rhythm offensively. Um, and we, you know, can laud, and we do laud Joe Burrow, especially for acting as a human test dummy, crash test dummy during most of that game. Um, but it was real grit. It was real determination from the Bengals to make it happen. That was the most fascinating thing. Joe Burrow, um, cool as well, cold as ice, cool as ice. Um, obviously, well, I was on Jeff Ramble's show before this, and you know, people were saying about there's no expectation for, for Cincinnati this weekend. Joe Burrow looked equally chilled and equally stunned at the end of that game. Now, I understand that we have probably blocked more accounts than the Bengals have actually blocked players this season for, for Joe Burrow. I mean, like the, the blocking situation there is, is woeful, but I, I'm really intrigued to see how this, let's let let's be quite frank here in terms of the wide receiving tight end core, Joe Burrow, stunning offense in terms of youth and talent potential can go up against Kansas City at the weekend. But it's all about Ryan Tannehill for me. Um, and we've got a guest coming on in about 30 seconds, but Ryan Tannehill, whew, I mean, when your team needed you, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting offseason uh, in Tennessee. We've got a special guest coming on now. We're delighted to bring on a guy that was on here last week. Uh, it's a rules analyst for Fox Sports. 
a good time after the weekend and the weekend before to bring on Dean Blandino again. Dean, uh, a very, very warm welcome into the show and, and we appreciate you again uh, being very generous with your time. Yeah, great to see you guys. I feel like we we just chatted, so it's good. We're making this a regular thing. I like it. But the audience response to to your appearance, Dean, was such that we had to had to get you back. Um, oh, now I suppose, you. fortunately, this weekend it was probably more the drama of the games than around the the, the referees, uh, which yes. I think ev everyone enjoys. But going, I suppose, into the, the conference games and now into the, the Super Bowl, and I know that the NFL literally, I think, just about five minutes ago named the referees for the, the conference games. But for, for fans watching this, like when it comes, because you've been in the position, when it comes to choosing, say, the Super Bowl team, how do how do they go about doing that, Dean? Yeah, so the the officials are evaluated throughout the season, and, and it's strictly that season only. So you don't look at previous years. The one thing you do is you try to, the, the officials are put into tiers or categories based on their performance. And there's, there's, a, there's a quantitative element of that, which is strictly their grades. You, you threw a flag for holding, it was correct or incorrect. And there's a qualitative part where, where it is more so your positioning, your mechanics, communication, things like that. So that, that's the overall picture. And the officials by position, so all of the side judges are evaluated um, against each other, all the umpires, all the referees. And so at your position, one through 17, you have officials that will be in the top category and then they'll work their way down. And so you're always going to look at the top category, the top tier of officials to, to work the Super Bowl. And then you look for, okay, you look for kind of putting, almost like putting together a team. Can, can we put the right mix of experience and, and, and other things, whether it's maybe it's a younger official that, that has shown a lot of potential, you just, or that works with two sideline officials that work together all year, a great communicator. You look for that to try to put together the most complete crew of officials from that top tier of, uh, of, of officials at each position. And, uh, and you do look at previous years in terms of if you have two officials that are basically neck and neck, and it's really a, 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 a coin toss, and I hate to bring up coin toss after the overtime controversy, but it's basically a coin toss. Um, you might look at giving an official who hasn't worked the Super Bowl their first opportunity because that's such a special opportunity for the officials. You obviously... You want the best officials in the game, and uh, and that's kind of how you how you put the crew together. Dean, it didn't really get discussed too much today because of the way in which the Rams Bucks game ended. But that late hit on Mike Evans. Now I know yeah. the ball had been incomplete. He couldn't have saved himself, but a split second, the fact that the ball hit the ground. Then today I saw a report and kind of a narrative that well, when the quarterback throws an incomplete pass and the ball hits the ground. But yet the defensive player gets hit for gets done for roughing the passer. How is that any different? I know it's not like for like, but yesterday's one was so close, you could see where the flag potentially could have been drawn. Yeah, it's it's a good question, and it it there really is no difference. So if it's a late hit after if the quarterback throws the ball and the ball hits the ground, and then it's clearly a late hit, that would be a turnover on downs, right? The down has to end at some point, and there used to be this rule. Many years ago, it was called continuing action, and it was so confusing. And I remember trying to understand it, and, and we just finally got rid of it and said, look, the down ends when we all know it ends. The runner, you know, the knee is down or the ball hits the ground, whatever it may be. 
and that that if you didn't make the line again on fourth down, it's over. And now any any penalty will be enforced after that turnover on down. So most of those rough in the passers, the play isn't over. The ball maybe have just left the quarterback's hands. But if it's clearly late after the ball has hit the ground, then it would be enforced the same way. And that's just one of those where it's a game. They talk about a game of inches. It was a game of of, of fractions of a second because the ball had just hit the ground and then the contact by Weddle um, to Evans occurred. Dean, if, if you couldn't understand continuing action, how the rest of us were meant to understand it is, is beyond. <laughs> I me. couldn't, if we, we would need, we would need a couple of hours for me to explain all of the nuance with that rule. So just trust me, this rule okay. is better. Well, look, well, look, I mean, as Colin alluded to, the great thing was, I mean, the officials aren't the story this weekend. The officials yeah. are not the story. They let the game flow. It was fantastic. Four unbelievably fantastic games. And I'm sure you might get asked a little bit about taunting calls in the next while. I mean, yeah. Tom Brady getting called for his one. But I think we're all a little bit sick of taunting. So I'm going to actually ask you something else that's equally confusing, especially to casual fans in the NFL. When we come back to the good old definition of what is a catch? <laughs> because yet again, on the Saturday games, we had two great examples. If we think of Joe Burrow's interception, um, and I'm, I could give the definition, I'm sure you'll give it much more succinctly and cleanly in relation to that. But also then uh, Brendan Ayuk's fumble uh, that wasn't a fumble, deemed it was an incomplete pass in relation to it. Obviously, if you're looking at those in real life, and we can go back to the Des Bryant and all the other scenarios, it still continues to be a bit of a question that divides and, and drives passionate views from fans no and players. It does. I don't care what iteration of the rule, there's always going to be debate because catch no catch involved, there's subjectivity to it. We're talking about control. We're talking about a time element and replay has really, has really made it more complicated, right? Because now we're slowing things down and we're looking at it frame by frame. And when you have a rule that incorporates a time element, and then you look at that play in slow motion. Well, now we've distorted a key part of the rule. And I think that creates debate and, 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 and you know, controversy. Now, you look at those two plays. I thought Ayuk was clearly incomplete. He, he had control, but he didn't have the ball long enough to perform an act common to the game. You got to have both feet and then the ball long enough to do something with it. Uh, the, the, the Imani Hooker interception, to me, that was there's two things at play. I thought it was incomplete because by rule, if the ball hits the ground before the player gains control, it's an incomplete pass. But it was so close and it was ruled an interception on the field. Then you go to the replay philosophy of it's got to be clear and obvious. And I'm sure if we showed that play to 100 people, we might end up 60-40 or, or 55-45. you know, 45, And that really isn't clear and obvious. So it's... I don't think we're ever going to get away from catch no catch debate and controversy. It goes back well before Dez and Calvin Johnson. And, and, and I remember Wayne Krebet, you might not remember that name, but that was back in the nineties. There was a controversial yeah. play against the, against the dolphins. It, it's, it's never going to um, stop being a topic for conversation. I think I think the the Rams Bucks NFC Championship game in 2000 as well was. Bert Emanuel. That was the rule changed after that. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, and, and actually, sorry, Dean, one last follow-up on that. Were you actually surprised that they didn't lean on clear and obvious? Because they actually said, I think in the clarification afterwards, that they were satisfied that he had possession before he touched the, the ground, so therefore it was continuation, rather than lean on, as you just said, the fact that well, it's not clear and obvious evidence to overturn the call on the field. Yeah, I think whenever you put yourself out there, I think that's a stretch to say that it was obviously a catch. I, I don't think anyone, like I said, I've talked to a lot of people around officiating, outside officiating, and, and everybody had a different opinion on that one. So to me, that is, that's the definition of stance, right? It's just, it's just not, if I can't convince the, 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 the five of us to get on the same page, or, or how am I going to convince a million or 10 million or 15 million people that are watching? So to me, that was the definition of stance, just not, not obvious either way. Dina, I know you're a little bit pushed for time, but just very finally for me anyway, I, I seen you tweet about it last night, overtime. What are we going to do about overtime? I mean, do we do the college football way of like sudden death? Because that's like, as we say in Ireland, that's great crack. I really enjoy that, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, you know, I've, I go back and forth. I I like the fundamental premise of, re, of, of overtime in the NFL. It maintains that element of sudden death, right? The game can end on think about think about other sports, whether it's hockey or it's or it's football, soccer, you know, where where you have you have the game could end at any point. Right. It's it's when that when that takes place, that's amazing like that. And that's what NFL overtime does. You can't leave your seat. Touchdown score. Game over doesn't matter. And it, and it also maintains all three phases of, of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. It's the ultimate team game, and all three matter. Now, look, as a fan, I get it. I would have loved to see Josh Allen and the Bills offense get the ball and, and have a chance to go down and score a touchdown. But at some point, some someone's going to feel short change because if the Bills go down and score a touchdown, now it's sudden death. Now the Chiefs get the ball back. They kick a field goal. The game's over. Now we're sitting there going, well, why didn't Josh Allen get a chance and now we're, we're, we're still playing today the way those offenses were playing. So it's, you know, I don't think there's any easy answer. I do think we could maybe go away from the coin toss. I tweeted about that last night. You know, maybe it's a home team. You've earned that right in the postseason. Maybe you get the choice. Um, I like I like NFL overtime. I think, it you know, again, it keeps you in that sudden death mode. It keeps all three phases. But again, the numbers really, if you look at overall numbers since the rule, the current rule since 2017, um, it's not 81% of the time, right? 69 overtime games since 2017. That's when the league went to 10 minutes in regulation. 69 overtime games, 81% of the time, both teams are getting possession. 50% of the time, the, we, the team winning the toss um, wins the game. Now, there are some ties in there, so it's a little bit more when you win the toss, but it's not like it's... 80, 90% of the time. So I think the competition committee will look at all of the factors, look at the numbers. And remember, player safety is so important, right? We've we've made rules to limit the number of snaps that players have to play in overtime. And if we continue to look at, you know, both teams getting a chance, now we're, we're extending the game, we're increasing the number of stats, and we just have to be mindful of player safety as well. Dean, we cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us again. We'd love to have you back on again soon. Make this a regular thing. Let's just make it a regular Monday after the championship games. Oh, just right. let me know. Per perfect. Well, the, the NFC championship game is on uh, Fox, and you can also find uh, Dean on Twitter at Dean Blandino. Dean, thank you again, and uh, hopefully talk to you maybe the same time next week. Sounds good.
Take care, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dean. Thanks so much, Dean. Appreciate it, man. I uh, just realized there very quickly that I'm the guy that then puts the guests in. That's, that's how tired I am now. 11.30 p.m. Sunday night on Fox. Also on Sky Sports here. 49ers at Rams. Uh, great to have Dean on, boys. Uh, and great to hear a bit more about his opinions on, on numerous different things. Yeah, we had a great interview with him last week. Obviously, it was a little bit more detailed last week in the half an hour he was on. But it was great to get him on because so many storylines. And as Colin and the guys have rightly called it, it wasn't more so about... The referees this weekend which is good in a sense because we got the four games and we didn't have any controversy whatsoever absolutely and brian for the mention there we second ago we, we have got an announcement to make on um, sunday at halftime in the afc championship afc championships obviously the bengals against the uh wow wow really the chiefs 8 p.m on sunday that's the state that i'm at so let's talk about the next game the bucks going up against the rams yesterday uh the bucks at one point were down what 27 to 3 am i correct this seems like so long ago now call uh but 27 27 happens uh, almost a reeling in the years moment uh just gonna say it complete and utter bottle jobs Colin. that play cooper cup at the end saved them but my god what was that game yesterday great crack for the i loved it it was great crack but uh if LA don't don't learn now, Colin, I mean, surely they're, they're going to get done against the Forty. If they don't learn from that now, seriously. Well, look, they they were going up against the the reigning Super Bowl champions in their own backyard, and things had kind of started off um, so badly for for the Bucks. Nothing was going right for them. We were having quite uh, interesting conversations, but to me, this was essentially the the personification of the the Dylan Dylan Thomas's. Uh, rage rage against the the dying of the light because probably the fiercest competitor in in all of sports um tom, tom brady just to, to me the decline has begun and he's raging against it there were times i i said it earlier in the season against the saints it was the first time i ever saw brady the ball not do what he wanted it to do and you saw it on show yes on yesterday at times but he he overcame it is a declining Brady still better than the vast majority of QBs in the league? Yes, he is. But we saw him be human for the first time yesterday. Like Mark talked earlier about the inevitability of Patrick Mahomes, right? It, previously, there would have been an inevitability of Tom Brady, and he would have bent the universe to his will. I remember tweeting, um, I, you know, at times over the last few years, it's Tom Brady's universe. We're just living in it. But it's, it just feels that's beginning to slip. I, I think you've seen the stories begin to leak out yesterday about maybe he's considering it and even after the game. Now, he might well come back. He'll still be um, better than uh, the the vast majority again. But he's just not the, the Tom Brady who could make a, anything happen. And ultimately, he didn't, his supporting cast didn't exactly help him um uh, uh, you know you call it you call it michael that play at the at the end i think everybody knew it was going to cooper cup but box um decided they uh to put winfield jr up uh up against him ultimately the the rams got it done and it was the Rams superstars who got it done and i saw this evening that apparently um it was uh 
at, at one stage in that four quarter, it was uh, 66 in L.A. were watching it. So 66 percent of the television audience in L.A. were watching it. That's big because L.A. L.A. was not a is not a football town traditionally. But all of a sudden, maybe they have fallen in love uh, with this team. The conversation last night after the game and, and a little bit today is around if Brady's going to come back and that seems to be taking up a lot of storylines. But I thought Levante David, so I don't know if anybody's seen his press conference after the game where he suggested not everything is good as it was last year in the camp. And it was I thought that was reflective of how they performed. Not so much the fact that they didn't get anything going. The amount of penalties they gave away in the first half for indiscipline penalties, taunting, back chat, all this stuff. You know, some silly stuff like kicking the ball out of play like the kicker did. I think he did it twice yesterday. They just didn't seem to be on the same in sync with one another across, and they seemed all very frustrated, in particular on the defence. The rounds are really good in the first half, but the game slightly changed. I wouldn't say it was a dramatic change like we've seen in the past where anchors fumbles, because if he goes in a touchdown before halftime, it's, it's a non-event. And I know people are saying, and Collins and the guys were trying to pick it up, oh, well, Brady's been behind before this type of score. Brady's come back really strongly in games in the past. I didn't think the Bucks made, I know they came back very well, but a lot of that's down to the Rams and a second half, which was a punt, touchdown, fumble, punt, fumble, missed field goal, punt, fumble, and then a field goal to win. They literally did everything in their power to give the game away. And uh, they got over the line, but just about, and I'm not sure what way it would have went when it went, when it went over to them. We discussed the fact that, you know, whoever got the ball in, in the Kansas game was going to go on and win. Would the Rams have had had the metal to go down and score a touchdown? Why Acres was still in the game? having fumbled and even at the end when the camera went on him he clearly looked like a guy that was you know misery guts because the the, the second fumble on the back of the first fumble like we've seen bigger head coaches would would Belichick put a running back in the game after fumbling he'd say no you're out and you won't be coming back in because you're essentially causing us a big opportunity to put the game away came back in fumbled again they're there they're in the championship game next week they haven't beaten the 49ers in six is it six games in a row now the 49ers have had their number We've seen it come to an end in crucial games like this, so it'll be very, very interesting to see. They're so equally matched if you if you consider what we saw in week 18 when they played. It's gonna it makes for a great game. Oh, it, it, it's gonna be a great game, but I mean to Colin's point, um, are they gonna learn? Like week 18, we can just go back to against the yeah. 49ers, throwing away that 17-point lead, which has made their journey that bit tougher. And it looked so long that they were gonna throw it away. I know you were alluding to it, but fumbling at the one. When even just holding onto the ball and taking another field goal before halftime there is inexcusable. But then when they got the ball at Tampa's 25 after getting the ball back on the fumble by Tampa Bay, um, I think the description I saw, which is great, they then snapped the ball to outer space. Um, you know, they missed the 49. There shouldn't have been any drama. They missed the 47, sorry, yarder, short. That kick with about six minutes to go in the fourth quarter would have made it a three-score game, like almost practically impossible. That miss then fueled them up. Then Jaden Ramsey says, don't worry, I've got Mike Evans. No, you don't, Jalen. He's just run past you and is walking in the touchdown. <laughs> um, and that drama, and it was exciting, was fantastic. But we made the comment, you know, and then the fumble again by Akers, but we made the comment, or I made the comment earlier about the play calling. And Leslie Frazier and um, Sean McDermott, who everyone hold responsible for it, had something to answer for in the Bills. The play call by, we assume, Todd Bowles, to go with an all-out blitz with the time that was left on the clock, with the position of the play, is questionable at best. Um, to leave Cooper Cup one-on-one and then just let him run past, obviously, is uh, very, very 
challenging. But look, Todd Bowles loves a good blitz uh, and is very aggressive in his defense. And the way the defense played in that second half, you can't criticize it too much because they kept the Bucks in the game by forcing turnovers, forcing fumbles, and developing it. Um, but what drama? Stafford becomes reborn with that pass. Cooper Cup proves rightly he is the offensive player of the year. And the Rams somehow, someway go marching on. But that that drive, bear in mind, they were second and 11, I think, just before that. Stafford fumbled again. And thankfully it bounced, for Rams fans, thankfully it bounced straight back to him. But, I mean, it, you know, ifs, buts, and maybes. Every one of the four losing teams has plenty of ifs, buts, and maybes to point at in this game. And the box are no different. Rams go marching on. What a great NFC Championship game. All Cali. All Cali. A California team will be in the Super Bowl in California, which is two weeks and six days away. Not counting for any reason there whatsoever. Anyway, uh, yeah, in terms of my thoughts in the game, Colin, did you get to talk about your thoughts in the game? Because I'm literally that at that point tonight. Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, didn't want to go ahead either. Where, where do you start here? Uh, clutch capital c capital l etc it's 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 been a long day matthew stafford at the end of that game last night forget about what happened beforehand at, at 27 all whatever possessed him he needs to take that and put it in bottle form and, and drink about four liters of it before sunday's game because i have a feeling that if he doesn't do that they're gonna mess up on quite frankly the biggest stage of them all for this team apart from i don't know when was the last like this is the biggest game in this team's maybe the last 15 years and I, I i mean it more than the super bowl seriously a game in la to go to the super bowl in la on sunday like they lost the super bowl they didn't turn up at that super bowl they had jar golf they now have matthew stafford a guy that literally came to this team the money's been put at this team stan Kroenke wants to bring the super bowl to los angeles and i have a feeling that if they don't mess up here, well, if, if they don't wise up here, they could mess up on Sunday. Uh, do you give Cam Akers the ball on Sunday? Do you continually hand it off to him? There's so many different factors there. I'm going to talk about a team that we haven't really talked about, and that's the Bucks. We mentioned there about the defense on the last play. Um, I think Chris Collinsworth made a, a dodgy enough comment about that there. I can't remember what he said, though. But for me, um, it was the way that the Bucks were just unable to get it done for three quarters of the game. Yes, they've done very, very well to come back. Do not get me wrong. However, 75% of that was the Rams completely bricking the bed. And for me, I, I think look, the Bucs had a great run last year and they were fantastic champions last year. The way that Brady and the offense played last year and the way that, that defense played in the Super Bowl uh, was was fantastic. It's Is it the end? All I know is I want Bruce Arian sunglasses and Antonio Brown oh boy what a man if you haven't seen antonio brown's tweet go go check it out uh i don't want to say this because i want to get off this in in, in, in at least the next hour on the show but um i think tom brady's done i agree with what Colum said it's sad to watch and uh look well, maybe he'll go back next year maybe he'll go one more year fair play him if he does but i think i think i think he is he's a 44 year old man next year that's grand but i think Tampa Bay's window is is closing. We, we say it's sad to watch, but he put up some stats this year. So 
Oh, he did. He like, did absolutely. We've, we've but he definitely played the last seen, six, seven weeks. We've seen other players decline a lot quicker and end up, which absolutely. we really said. Um, I want to make a quick point. Sorry, before we wrap up on this game, you're talking about the book situation. Um, will Brady go? If he does go, where does that keep? Where does that leave Bruce Arias? Because I'm not entirely sure he would want to a bit of a rebuild. Because where does he go for a quarterback now? Um, like what's a Blaine Gabbard? He's not the answer. And it's come Aaron out. Rogers. That, it's come out in the last half an hour that uh, Boring left, which is. Now down to this, uh, it's, it's between him and potentially the Packers OC for the Jags job. So, if he goes, that's another significant change. And I think, to be honest, I have I think Tad Balls might end up getting the head coaching role, despite his all-out blitz. I think over the course of the season, he's proven again that he's a very good defense corner. And I just want to make one more point on Stafford. Overall, yesterday, if you take the game and the enormity of the game into, in, into you know, you discuss the game itself. He had a good game. I know he had some friends at the end, him of that FOMO, which Mark Wright called. He was fortunate it bounced back. But the play, the opening play on the last drive was a 19-yard throw to Cup, and Cup did brilliant to get out of bounds. So straight away, even without that 64-yard bomb to Cup, he was well within position to get them at least, okay, I want it turned out to be a 45, you know, maybe a 50-yard field goal. But that throw was key more so on the, on the last one because it took, slight, it took a bit of pressure off them. And even with the difficult play to put the, put them to second 11, they still only needed probably 20, 25 yards to have a real opportunity to go and win the game. So that play didn't really get enough of the coverage because of the big one at the end. But I felt that was a really key one. And the fact that Cook got out, got out play without having to kill a timeout. Yeah, I mean, when you when you really absolutely have to have it, you go to, to Cup. And yeah. I think we tweeted out at the time, uh, Cup on Tay, uh, which was... Yeah, pretty witty uh, in relation to it. So that was Mr. O'Leary. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, that, that that's a great line in relation to it. Are you just touching on, um, uh, sorry, not Todd Bowles, who are you just calling out? Leftwich. Um, Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich. It is oh, one really? thing that two years ago, no, not two years ago, four years ago, 2018, 24th January 2018, there were seven uh, African-American head coaches in the NFL. Today at the moment, Mike Tomlin, is the only one. And you look at that game the weekend and some of the coordinators on the sidelines and the talent available there. Um, that is something that should rectify itself in very quick form. Uh, I know we haven't come on to the 49ers Packers game yet, guys, um, but probably for me, the standout coordinator of the entire weekend, and that's saying something considering the offensive performance of the Chiefs and the Bills was probably on defense. Uh, and he goes by the name of D'Amico Ryans. So um, all of those candidates deserve a great opportunity. And any head open head coaching slots, <coughs> maybe in Denver, guys, uh, they would be very well off with any of those uh, coaches that put together some amazing se- an amazing season, amazing units last month. Saving the best to last with the Packers, are we? Yes. Um, and just a couple of comments, actually, just before we do that. Uh, Pork Joyce, who's been very supportive of the show um, over the last few weeks, really, really appreciate Pork saying, uh, Join the apologies. I think week 18 is the best thing that have happened to the Rams now. And he also called me out. It's not sad to watch at all. Um, it would be great to go out on a five fires in the season. Like he's declined, a, you know, a wee bit. Not like I think, I think he should have walked away last year. I'm just putting it out. I think any right man, the right mind, 42, 43, but it's Tom Brady. He'd probably play to be 70. You know, it's fine. Uh, Michael, Michael, to say though that the man who has led the league this year in passing touchdowns and in yards is done. I mean, you know, is he the player he was 10 years ago? Absolutely not. 
as he played was two years this ago. Isn't, this isn't. But no, no, no. Look at look at Ben Roethlisberger. Look at Eli Manning. Look at Peyton Manning. For Christ's sake, you can go to any quarterback. Go to Dan Marino. For Christ's sake, when it gets to the end, it does get ugly. John Elway. I mean, John Elway was pathetic in his final year. You guys know that. But the point is, he won a Super Bowl. He was still good enough to guide a team, to lead a team, to elevate the team. He, no, he didn't win two Super Bowls in his final year, Michael. He won one Super Bowl. But the point no is about Brady is like, you want to say he's done? Like, yeah, 44 years of age. I mean, like, Christ almighty, I wouldn't even stretch to get the morning paper, to be honest with you, and I'm younger than him. So what he's doing is amazing, but like... If he wants to retire and walk away from it, he's still walking away somewhat at the top. I mean, he'd love to uh, walk away into the sunset. I, like I, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. You don't get don't, to do that often. I don't think his play has dropped off. I know fairness. We called it earlier season. Collins was spot on in, in the game, in particular when they're away to the Saints. But he hasn't fallen off that much. I mean, if you coach the quarterbacks in the league at the level he's playing at his age, there's many a team that would offer him a one-year deal tomorrow to be the quarterback for a year. Oh, no, I, but I think what it is with Brady is that up to now, he it was like, you know, remember that famous Clive Tinsley line that Manchester United don't lose, they run out of time. It was like that with Brady. Like when, when the Patriots lost, it, it just didn't seem, it wasn't because of Brady. It, it was some other kind of external factor. Like he seemed like beyond human like you just couldn't couldn't knock him out like there was always the like like the undertaker memes with Brady it never seemed to stop and I think that's why it's not like the the decline is it it, it was like he it, you know it'll happen I mean I think Sam Monson jokes about prematurely you know he has that in his Twitter where prematurely predicting decline because he said about like eight years ago I will begin to see it with Brady now and then it was like, oh, he's 38, we'll see it. He's 39, we'll see it. He's 40, we'll see it. We never saw it. And suddenly, it's finally, finally, and it's crept in. But it's only when it's it's a tiny, like, like, ch- like, you know, chink in the armor, you would say. But I just never thought we'd see it. I think that is what's so surprising with, to me about Brady. I also think Godwin was a huge factor in the way the seasons played out. Godwin last year was his... Julian Edelman type player in the playoffs as yeah. the season progressed and to lose him and maybe he doesn't have as much faith in Evans as people think because Evans is your over the top you know take the top off of, off of defence right Godwin was more in the field 25-30 yards and he kind of relied on Gronk to a large price to take over that and Gronk as, as the season has gone on has kind of regressed and he's obviously had the injury this season I think Godwin as the season has gone on has been a key loss for him and he's a free agent mm-hmm. there, so will he be back I'm not sure but like we, say, we shouldn't talk too. about him too much because he is out of the playoffs now. Um, so he's no longer relevant for the conversation. But just on that, quarterbacks remaining. Patrick Mahomes, talked enough about him. Star quality, best quarterback in the NFL. You know, every superlative going. Joe Burrow, who's got many, many superlatives this year and obviously survived an amazing, um, you know, battering the weekend. Matthew Stafford, sorry, jury's still out, but what an amazing performance. When, Colm, as you rightly said, not only the big long pass to cut, but that 19-yarder was absolutely critical. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> who's the fourth one in that category, who I don't think even 49ers fans are necessarily sold on, but they may want to marry Robbie Gould. They may want to marry everyone else connected with an amazing performance to knock out the number one seed in the NFC. Just before we talk about the Packers and the 49ers, let's do a very lovely editable clip in one word. 
Colm, will Tom Brady be playing in the NFL in September 2022? Yes or no? I don't think so. Brian? Yes. Mark? 100,000 yards. Yes. Michael? No. Neil? What was that video? Never. Absolutely not. No way. Not a chance. What was that video again? Anyway, right. Uh, Packers 49ers review. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, the 49ers. I mean, I called the Rams potential bottle jobs there now. Sweet Jesus, Green Bay. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Thank God we're on our end of the show and the Packers fans aren't on Twitter the last couple of days. Um, They're quite so quite, quite ill. And like, look, I'm not calling them out here, Brian. Well, you are. But we talked the other day. <laughs> well, I am calling them out. These, this is the team. I, I haven't got the, I haven't got the, I haven't got the number on me. But the average point scored by this offense, the amount of weapons that Aaron Rodgers had, the off season that Aaron Rodgers had, the June, July, and August that Aaron Rodgers had, the holiday in Hawaii, the vaccine situation, the press conference, the throwing the toys out of the pram, getting Randall Cobb in. Be, quite frankly, play the team was playing lights out for the majority of that season. One and done, Colin. Wow. To be honest, what I hope this ends more than anything is this nonsense around the weather in Green Bay. I am sick to death of listening to how the weather is going to impact on the away teams. Um, had to listen to it last year. Oh, Brady had forgotten how to play in um, cold, cold weather after spending a few months down, down in Florida. And the, the Sunshine Boys from California weren't going to be able to, to play except how they had done it just a couple of years ago. So I, I hope that is a narrative that we, we no longer see. I think the the 49ers are um, a really fascinating team because of the way in which talked about it. They, they deliberately do things um, in an unusual way, which catches you um, uh, off guard. And in Debo Samuel, I, you know, whether it is training with George Kittle, but Kittle seems to, you know, we're all, he loves kind of contact. He loves blocking. Nobody seems to relish it more than than Debo. And for Kyle Shannon to to make the the switch uh, on that that play and and go with Debo, I think was. Um, shows the trust that he has in him and i i think that it will be it will be fascinating to see them go against the the rams and see the the matchup between shanahan and mcveigh but for the for the the packers like it's almost like the the mythology of lambo it, it's almost too much there's there's so much pressure on and 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 in the lead up to it it's like the, the Packers are, are at home and the other team will freeze when they come in there and I think when you're talking about professional athletes at that level it's they they, really, they don't freeze as such they, they see it as a challenge and I think that's exactly what this 49ers um team did so looking forward to to seeing what the the 49ers will will scheme up and whether we will see Jimmy G throw a, a touchdown pass at all in the the playoffs, but you know they're in with a puncher's chance of of going to to the Super Bowl because they are so um, unpredictable on offense and they're serious on defense, even when beaten up. Unpredictable on offense is is fair is probably 
bit over the top column to be honest because when they played in week 17 i think they didn't play till the fourth quarter when they went to la in week 18 they didn't play until the second half they didn't play at all in the second half last week offensively and performance to go in the game they'd score three points and they didn't get a force down in the first half until four minutes to go in in the half i felt the sequence of the game where the game changed was just before halftime i haven't turn, haven't had the interception in the red zone on jimmy jimmy g rogers had a fantastic ball where jones was completely left isolated and he got down the field to not come out of that was even the field goal which would have put them in a 10 nil up at halftime i thought was was crucial um michael's right it is a bottle job let's be fair they're eight and zero at home all season they've won every game convincingly probably with the exception maybe of that washington football team game where washington had a fair chance to win the game but he's five and four in the playoffs i believe at home he's he's inconsistent the defense however for the 49ers over the past two weeks has been really impressive armstead two sacks bosa two sacks for a guy that was supposed to be injured two sacks Werner didn't look like he was carrying any injury and that looks like defensive all we've seen over the years who really kind of come together at the right time of the season and essentially get their team to the super bowl we've seen lesser teams during the season sack coordinators because it's not working the parkers in the end of last season got rid of their defensive quarter um I can't call his name, Patine or something. That he, he was let go at the end of the season because that, I suppose, essentially the defense in the uh, championship game was blamed more so than the Rodgers scenario at the end with the, not getting the touchdown. And he he was he got the bullet. But the special teams all season has been erratic at best. Uh, we saw it when they played the Bears on a Sunday night football where they gave up two two touchdowns on special teams. It was block punts. And that special teams corner has been allowed to stay. And LaFleur has just allowed him to stay. Hasn't how at some stage during the season when it's been consistently so bad. Have they not decided to remove him from their own or bring someone else in? And in fact, it's cost them in the end because that's been their biggest weak point throughout the season consistently. And to give that touchdown or sorry, yeah, touchdown away. Um, when if you look at it time and time again, it didn't look like the Fortnite were coming with any particular rush to block it. I think they were looking to play field position and to get the punt. And the guys not even know where the ball went. It was quite funny, but at the same time, they got over the line and Rogers, I thought, was really disappointing after the game because he'd already started with the comments around, I'm not here for a rebuild. And, you know, he knows the cap situation with the team and he's he knows other players around country. He said in his first press conference, I know everything about everybody's contract within this team. So he knows they're 40 million over and he knows who, which players are likely to be getting nice deals in free agency. So for that type of stuff to come out early, and he kind of backtracked on it then yesterday because he said, I need to take time to reevaluate and my, my, Relationship with the GM has improved throughout the season, but it's not good. It's a terrible ending for a lot of Packers fans who, who felt the season was there for the taking. And Mark's was spot on Saturday night. Mark made it three points on Saturday around the past three years, where the fourth year was like, okay, we got there, we didn't make it, we'll move on, we'll get better next year. Last year was like, we really should have got there. This year, we had to have got there. That fair that, that was the line, Mark. Yeah, and, and that was it, Brian. And there is nothing but. Um, an abject failure for the Green Bay Packers in relation to this season. I mean, that was their season. That was the goal. Um, it's as simple as that. I mean, uh, another amazing performance in the regular season, some amazing plays, some amazing results, but frankly, the playoffs count. And you alluded to it, Brian, special teams matter. I mean, you know, Jeff Ryanball comes on and talks about special teams. Bill Belichick always quotes the thing, there are three phases to the game. Well, the Packers special teams, it wasn't just the block punt, of course. It was the block field goal at the end of the first half when it could have been 10 zip. It was the massive return that Debo got to set up field position for the 49ers' first field goal. It was 
abject breakdowns on a regular basis. And let's not forget how this game started. I mean, this game started, Packers went in, walked down the field on the 49ers, 7-0, stopped the 49ers straight away. It looked like they were almost going to get the momentum and due to the 49ers, what the 49ers had done to the Cowboys last week and blitzed them straight off. Demeca Ryans, I said it earlier, deserves all the credit. He got that unit to stiffen up. Of course, we can criticize and we should criticize the offensive performance by the Green Bay Packers. Even they criticize themselves. But that would be to do a disservice to the job that he did calling and the players did playing in relation to locking down what can be an extremely off, uh, extremely explosive offense. You guys have heard my feelings about Aaron Rodgers at various times. I would say the one thing that disappointed me the most um, was one of his other comments straight after the game was, yeah, 10 points, that's not a good enough offensive performance. I'm thinking that's okay, so far so good. You're taking some response. He said, I'll take my share of the blame for that. And I'm sorry, but with his past history, that was to me saying, we, we've all heard it. We've all heard every quarterback after a game, every head coach after a game to say, that's on me. That's my responsibility. I should have done better. You know, it's like, no, no, with Aaron Rodgers, like, oh, yeah, I'll take my little percentage. I mean, fair enough. It was the first time he didn't scapegoat everyone else on the team. But uh, it still wasn't the standard I'd expect in leading. Um, he is probably the epitome of Peyton Manning in many respects. Peyton Manning finished with a 14 to 13 playoff record, but he did have two rings. Aaron Rodgers at the moment is 13 and 12 with just one. Um, that's why he doesn't, he doesn't make the Mount Rushmore. And I'll give you one last analogy. I couldn't help but think of um, Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis uh, when I was watching the game the other night. In Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis, the lead character wakes up suddenly having been turned into a giant insect. He's then repulsed by society and rejected <laughs> by society. He then ultimately gets rejected by his close family and friends and decides that ultimately he's so repulsive and they don't want to be, you know, they have no time to make work. <laughs> But he takes off to his room and dies quietly in the corner. And at the end, they realize, oh, the younger sister has suddenly got very attractive. And she's undergone a metamorphosis of her own at the same time. Um, I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers is a giant insect, but there are certainly some parallels that one might join um, in relation to his behavior in the last while. And indeed, maybe Green Bay's general dissatisfaction with him. Although Matt LaFleur said we want him back. Uh, I don't know. Not worth it. Well, that giant insect only threw for 58 yards in the second half. And what it was really evident, despite the season where he's been spreading the play around to a lot of players, he didn't seem to want to get away from Adams or Jones. Everybody else was non-existent for large parts because he just didn't seem to go near them. Um, that special teams thing was pretty much summed up with the fact that the winning field goal, the Packers only had 10 players on the field. They couldn't even put 11 on. That's that's the other one I want to mention, Brian. Actually, that was that was classic. But gold for gold. I mean, Chicago Bears must love watching Robbie Gold. He never misses a kick in the playoffs. Ever misses a kick in the playoffs. Um, go back to double doink days when they got rid of him. Not so happy. Um, I am gonna not just call it the Green Bay Packers in my speech now, which will go on for a minute or two. So I do apologize. I'm gonna call out everybody on the show. Where were you boys at on Saturday night? I felt like I was watching the game myself, not a boy. Was, were you all in bed, tucked up in bed? All right. 
Oh, hang on now, Mike, Michael. You are the man who has, in previous weeks, talked about how you go to bed and turn off I'm your phone and wake up the day after and watch it. Talked about how during last last year's playoffs you fell asleep on the couch. I was the playoffs. It's the playoffs. It's the playoffs. I'm, all right, look, I'm, I'm taking the best. Right, anyway, look. Sorry, I've really hit a chord there. I made I made a, I made a game time decision at 44 years of age. Which one? Which one do I want to stay up for? Um, and which one? All right, do I Tom. Want? All right. Which one do I want to watch at seven in the morning? I went, I think I made the right choice. Well, I, I have to say, no, I actually enjoyed the game. I enjoyed watching people stand in, quite frankly, an old stadium with lots of history, a classic stadium, an incredible stadium. But I mean, Jesus wept. You'd be lucky to get a hot dog there. Uh, I, was, was Alex Rodriguez born in Milwaukee or something? Or have I missed something? The, is he not a Giants fan or what's, what's the crack? Anyway, look, I'm, I'm not. He, I, I, he, he must be friends. Of, he's a fan he must of be Ke- friends with Aaron Rodgers. Fan of any camera? Let's put it there. Yeah. Okay. Well, Brian, it's not like you to talk bad about a, about a New York man. Uh, anyway, right. Um, receiving. Uh, you take Aaron Jones out of this game, right? And look, I'm just reading what it says. You take Aaron Jones out of this game. Devante Adams. Okay, 90 yards receiving. Alan Alan Lazard had six yards. I mean, I'm only starting here now, boys. The 49ers were absolute dirt, but the reality is the mistake in special teams got them the win. Jimmy G could care less, boys. Robbie Gold was clutch at the end and fair play to them. It was like a snow day when you get off school and you go outside and have a bit of crack. Packers didn't show up. And quite frankly, the attitude from the Packers going into that game, oh, the NFC goes through Lambeau. Does it I? Because... The performance was atrocious. This is a team that practice in the snow, practice in the poor weather. Like look at the Buffalo Bills, for example, whenever they played the Patriots a few weeks ago, they at least looked up for it. They get the ball down the field. Aaron Rodgers, the other night was atrocious. And like before I even go there, 11 and 10, 11 and 10 in postseason play. Uh, I had a stat about Tom Brady, but I mean Tom, I think Tom Brady's beaten as many NFC teams in the playoffs than Aaron Rodgers has. Um Aaron Rodgers is now 0-4 against the 49ers in the postseason. Quite frankly, he is a absolute and total choke artist. And before I read out one final thing, I want to say this. He's been heavily linked with my team. I have to think, call him here right, right here and right now. Okay, he'll give me a good 18 weeks. But will he give me a postseason win or a couple of wins or a Super Bowl? I don't know. And quite frankly, it's like going out in a night out. And, you know, you have a few drinks. You have a bit of crack, but realistically, you know, you come home by yourself and, and you're sad and you feel let down. That's what it seems like to me, and it's not good enough. But just very, very quickly, and this is the last thing I'm going to say tonight because I am on literal Nespresso fumes. Hey, I've got a list of names to read out. Devante Adams, Kevin King, Robert Tunyon Jr., Janet Sullivan, Devondra Campbell, Lucas Patrick, Dennis Kelly, Tyler Lancaster, Corey Boraquez, or Oren Burks, almost there, St. Brown, Isaac Yadam, Jack Heflin, Malik Taylor, Randy Ramsey, Chris Barnes, Henry Black, Dominique Daphne, Alan Lazard, Valdez Scanting, Chauncey Rivers, Josh or Josh Nyman, and Kurt Benekert. And back to Yari, has to stay because it would be too much of a dead cap. This team are completely screwed. That's their free agency list that they have to sign in the offseason. Rogers should go. This team should rebuild. But something, tell, something tells me they won't. And the same thing will reoccur next year. Maybe against the Cowboys for a bit, for a bit of crack. But Packers fans, it's over for another year.
I'd say 60% of those players don't really make a real impact at the team anyway. So it wouldn't be, it's more the three or four there I'd be concerned about. The rest I wouldn't, don't think Packers fans would be too upset about. Um, for all the talking columns, you in fairness, Mike, you've called it out and you, we've all kind of discussed it. The fact that it's always just true Lambo and the weather and uh, no other quarterbacks can deal with it. Well, you know, Manning went in there twice in the playoffs and beat him. And they lost last year to Brady in there. And now they've lost again. So, like, Rogers looked more adversely impacted by the weather than Jimmy G did. And he's supposed to be the one that likes the, the nice weather. And then LeFleur, what was that all about? Because the one thing you would say about the Packers fans was they weren't sitting resting on the laurels. They all seemed to be well up for the game. They all looked like they'd had a fair few skin full of drinks beforehand at the tailgate and were well up for it. And he's turned around to the crowd as he's trying to get the crowd involved in the game. There was no need for him to be getting the crowd involved. <laughs> the crowd were in. It was him. He's taking his eye off the situation. Coach the team. Stop worrying about the fans. Yeah, I'd, I'd just say it's remarkable in one respect that Aaron Rodgers, with all of his talent, his undeniable talent, his undeniable skills, some amazing teams he's had around him, some amazing talent he's had around him. Let's not overlook that in Green Bay. Um, this Sunday coming, he will be sitting on the couch, whereas Jimmy Garoppolo will be trying for his second uh, NFC championship title. Um, that's rather disconcerting if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're a Green Bay Packers fan. And sorry, and I've got to be honest, I'm trying to be consistent on this. I was calling out the Chargers the other week, Michael, to say 33 years have probably one of the greatest runs of quarterback play in terms of the succession plan they've had. And they only made the playoffs 11 times out of those 33. When you consider the run the Packers have with Brett Favre leading in to Aaron Rodgers, two Super Bowls during that concerted period is just not a good enough. It's piss poor. Call it that. It's piss poor. And frankly, Rodgers, Rodgers could go in with it next year and it's still only the two. But then again, two was enough for Peyton and it was enough for Eli as well. All right, call me again and say because I, I, yeah, I, I, I would <laughs> say I, I think Tom Brady has skewed it right in that, yes, Aaron Rodgers should and Brett Favre having won, but I think this idea that most quarterbacks win multiple, um, you know, beyond two just doesn't tend to, to happen. I, I would also say, Brian, you were saying that you don't have much faith in the 49ers, and yes, we know you you don't like them, and yeah, they haven't, they didn't play until the final quarter against like the Rams. Them, Hold on, Brian, you like the 49ers? I, I never said I don't like them. Well, I, Brian, you, you didn't think they were in with any chance that uh, in this game. At the, I mean, what I said was, no, actually, when I came back to my point later on in the show, Colin, I said, I don't mean to be disrespectful to the 49ers. I was basing it on what I saw for 18 weeks with the Packers. But and, the I, they, and the fact that they would eight home games in a row this season, that they would win the game. I think there are, look, there are questions around this 49ers team, but I think that um, the the fact that they only played for a quarter against the, the Rams, they only... They didn't play too well against the, the Cowboys. Well, they fair, yeah. and they, they barely played. If they can put it together, if, now it's a big if, because I still think Jimmy Jimmy G is playing so banged up and you've questions around him, it will be it will be fascinating. But to do to, to be where they are, given um kind of uh, the, the circumstances and the whole thing with the, the QB going all the way back to the draft is um really interesting. And also, Michael, you mightn't like Aaron Rodgers and you might have all sorts of questions around him. Matt Schneidman, who was on with us, uh, has come out today and says he reckons that Aaron Rodgers and Devonta Adams 
will be in Denver. And Hackett has just gotten off the plane and has been picked up. And he is the first man in the door for the second interview. So Denver could be looking very like Green Bay, eh, potentially. I, I have never stated I don't like him. I think his actions over the last six to eight months have a lot to be... And look, his record over the last Did 10 you years... Usually you never said lot. you don't like him. I've never said that. I've never said I don't like him. I mean, like last the week, the the show where shows is Michael Dick and me watch back. <laughs> I, I genuinely find it, find a clip where I've said that. Like, there was obviously a very, very interesting show tonight whenever uh, he discussed about the vaccine in the press conference, and we we were all extremely critical, or we all at least gave our opinion on that matter. I don't think I've ever said I don't like him. I just, I mean, it's it's now becoming a trend year on year with this team. So I'd like to think if he did go to Denver, for example, Colm, or any other team, New York, Pittsburgh, whoever, can he get that over the line? Is it something to do with the grass and Green Bay? I mean, Colm, I would obviously take that and I'd be very happy with that. But until they're stepping out fourth quarter, 25 to 27 points up against a team in the Super Bowl, I, 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 will, not, I will not be convinced because I'm just a complete pessimist. Anyway, can we... I think Pittsburgh will be serious players for him because Mike Tomlin will be saying, you come and play for me and I had Big Ben last year and I got to the playoffs. Imagine what I could do with you. But anyway, that's for the off-season because we're going to have a lot of torture in the off-season. Yeah. Um, yeah, are. one very final thing, Michael. I mean, Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel, because we didn't say his name enough times, and I feel like it, it, we should. It wasn't a Beetlejuice moment I was doing there, by the way. I just uh, feel that we should have given him more credit. And, you know, thank God of all this. Uh, we've got two great championship games to look forward to. That's the that's the beauty of all this. By the way, I love this the randomness of the off-season, the way we get on to, because uh, I saw earlier on someone was tweeting that they'd already changed Leslie Frazier's wiki page to being the head coach of the miami dolphins and things like that so we get all this uh this great um i, I try to check it there i think i think it's gone back but i i think this is the great thing about speculation in the off season and for 28 teams it's now the off season lads um you're done and it's those four that are going to battle out to be super bowl champion we have four teams left that is the nfc championship and the afc championship the afc is sunday at 8 p.m the Bengals going up against the Chiefs in Giha Field. Let's see if Patrick Mahomes' wife has some more champagne. And also at half 11, we've got the 49ers against the Rams in what, quite frankly, could be a hell of a game. But I think it's going to take a very, very, very big amount to beat last night. Those are the games. Those are the matchups. That's the editing. Two more games until SoFi Stadium. And just a very, very quick reminder, we've got an announcement to make at halftime in the AFC Championship. No, Brian is not a late entrant on the Dancing with the Stars, but I know why you would consider that after we mentioned it earlier on in the season. And that's it. Good night. Good, good night. You, God bless. Uh, thanks to Matchbook, boys. £20, 20 year offer. There it is. Irish NFL show. Teas and teas apply. All teas and teas. And all. We'll be back uh, Friday night. See him yeah. again. Yeah, I would prefer Friday night, boys. We're just having a discussion here live online. I, I think Jeff Reinbold's going to come on. Have a few people on Championship Sunday weekend. Really looking forward to it. Uh, I guess all we can say now is Song of Fun.